Well, uh, hello everyone, and thank you for joining the Legal Coaching Podcast. My name is Kelly Van Buskirk. I'm here with my partner, Mel Norton. Mel, uh, good day. How are you? I'm great, Kelly. This is a bit of a different format uh, today. We come to you from the land of pandemic. Yes, that's right. This is uh, the apocalyptic version of our uh, podcast. So we're here separately, and we have two guests who are joining us separately as well, Rena Iliakis and Tom Crea, who are law students at uh, the University of New Brunswick. They're both in their final year at uh, the UMB Law School. And what we thought might be interesting, especially in the current circumstances where so many people are sitting at home, unable to uh, go outside or engage uh, in close uh, social interaction as we are used to. And, and so as a consequence, so many people are looking for educational pieces like podcasts to listen to. And, and it, it struck us that uh, amongst those many people are students, high school students and university students particularly, who are thinking about their futures and thinking about uh, what they want to accomplish in their lives, recognizing that today is a day different than uh, so many previous days. And, and, and for them, trying to come to grips with what they might do in their future, um, it seems to me that this, <laughs> this is an opportunity to, to think through that. I know many people fashion themselves as, uh, as uh, armchair lawyers, at least, uh, people who uh, like to argue, uh, people who uh, like to think. And, um, and so I thought it might be an interesting idea to question Rena and Tom about how they got to this point, this juncture in their lives. And Mel, first, how, what made you go to law school, Mel? Well, Kelly, I was a teenager once, and I was speeding down Chesley Drive in St. John, and I got a speeding ticket and a very friendly lawyer. He, he was a friend of the family. <laughs> took it upon himself to represent me pro bono. And although he didn't get the ticket thrown out, he got it substantially reduced. And after that, I thought, that's it. I'm sold. I've got to be one of those guys that helps people out. And uh, so that's my, my quick story. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good story. And I think, frankly, there are many people who are now practicing lawyers who would have similar stories, who want to help other people in the community um, people who find the law intriguing, find the idea that we can uh, regulate our society through laws um, to be very important and, and interesting. So I'll ask Rena first. Rena, you're just in the very last stages of your <laughs> career at the UMB Law School, which has been a highly decorated uh, career. Uh, and um, I'm wondering, what caused you to think about going to law school in the first place? Well, um, I had, uh, just to give you a bit of a backstory, I know Kelly, you know this, but I am a mature student. And so I actually had, you know, a full career before I came to school. Um, I worked as an environmental practitioner for over a decade for um, 
an engineering company here in Fredericton. And then I left there and I went to work for the province. And I worked in a few different departments, um, one of which was um, at the office of the Ombud. And I always had an interest in the law. Um, and, you know, it kind of, my, my interest was fed when I worked in environmental assessment because I was dealing a lot with, you know, the regulatory scheme behind major projects. And, um, and when I left there, I took, you know, a huge shift in the type of work I was doing. And I was dealing with, um, you know, more in a more front facing role. I was dealing with people all the time. You know, I was speaking with, well, I guess the types of people that sometimes people would uh, be characterized as not winning at the game of life. You know, I spoke with inmates daily and what that did for me was rather than being turned off by that work or even, you know, turned off by that section of the population, it actually just made me want to help them. Um, and I knew, and I kind of felt like I would be, I would only be able to move so far in, in, in offering assistance to people if I didn't actually pursue this as a career. Um, and so it piqued my interest and, and uh, I, uh, you know, I picked up an LSAT book and the rest is history. That's interesting because as you say, you already had a career. You really didn't need to go back to school. In fact, there would have been lots of obstacles uh, in your path if you were going back to school as you did. And I know there have been. And so the fact that you were attracted in that way is probably inspirational to some of the people listening. And it's a great message, by the way, that um, for people who have thought about being a lawyer, who want to consider that path, um, you're an example of someone who who um, chose that path even after a successful career in another occupation. Tom, you're in the same boat. You're at the very end of your law school career. You've had a great uh, academic career at UMB, but how did you get there in the first place? What drove you to want to take on a total of seven years of university, three of which are in the high pressure environment at the law school? Yeah, I'm actually even more of a sucker than that. I did uh, three years for my MBA before that, so this is 10. Uh, so yeah, it was a, it's been a bit of a slog, but that was part of what actually brought me to an interest in law in the first place, was that while I was doing the MBA, there was a course in corporate governance taught by a local lawyer, and I was just so uh, enthralled with it. I'd always been interested in law, but I, I think it just hadn't really clicked that you could specialize or I could do just kind of that more corporate side of things that I was interested in. So as soon as I took that class, I realized, man, I really took the wrong program. I, I wished I'd done law instead of the MBA. So then it was just a matter of time, and I finished up that degree. And I'd been working a bit, too, uh, in pension administration for the province. So a little bit of regulatory work kind of stuff there, but more on the administration side. And I thought that was interesting, too. So, so that led you to the place you are today. That's right. Now, I'll tell both of you that Mel has had a lot of involvement with uh, some of the local high schools uh, in our community because those schools will contact Mel um, with requests from uh, students who are in grade 11 or they're in grade 12 and they think they want to be a lawyer um, and 
they want to try it out. They want to see inside a law firm. Mel, over the years, that's that's something that you've spoken to people about quite frequently. Yeah, it's interesting to me. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting to me that um, Rena and Tom, they have different, you both have different paths. I'm, I was thinking as I was listening to, uh, to Rena, what, what it must have been like to, um, to come back to university after a number of years in the workforce and what that experience would be like. I recall that in, in my law school class, there were two or three, as you characterized it, mature students. And I, and I, never, I never asked them at the time, but this is an opportunity to, to ask the question. Like, what strengths did that experience in the workforce, even though you'd been you know, out working for a number of years, what strengths or advantages did you, did you realize for yourself when you re-entered an academic setting? I would say that the importance of deadlines was not lost on me. Time management. I just feel that I went there ready. I mean, as, as ready as anyone can be. First year, anyone that's been through it is terrible. It doesn't matter if you're 25 or I was 37 at the time. It's a slog. But I was... I had to make very good use of the limited time that I had because the reality is, is that I don't, I can't pull all-nighters um, because um, I have other, I have other commitments that are as much as I am, am, am committed to school that are equally as important. And that would be my, my children, if not more important, actually, if I'm, you know, <laughs> so uh, I think that was, that was the big thing is that I had to be very, very strategic in how I used my time when I was at school. So um, I guess the flip side of that is that I, I don't get the same opportunity to do the socializing that others do, but it, you know, in the same respect, I don't really have the time for that anyway. But I think that was the biggest, the biggest advantage is that when I was there, I was there to work and I treated it like a job. I went at eight, regardless if I had an 8.30 or if I had a, a, a 2 p.m. class. And I left at five. What did your daily routine look like? Uh, I think that's interesting. And, and I, it, that brings back a memory of a, of a friend of mine from school who was in a similar situation. And he, was, he would spend the, uh, he was from St. John, but he would go and stay at uh, one of the hotels for the week during the school week and treat it very much like a job. What, what does or what, what did your um, regular routine look like? What, what Take us through a, a day. How did that unfold for you? Uh, get up early, you know, 5.30 usually, 5.45, uh, get myself ready. Um, my husband and kids would get up, um, you know, make five breakfasts, make five lunches, <laughs> see the kids out the door, um, leave for school, just like he would leave for work. Um, and in, in my kids' eyes, like I, I was leaving for work. They knew I was in school, but like they just saw it. It didn't seem any different to them than it did my husband's day because I would come home, save and except for exam time when I really would need to lock myself kind of away at the law school and, and not return for a number of weeks. But, um, and I'm sure practice will be much the same <laughs> at, at times. Um, but, and I would come home at dinner time just like everybody else or all of my my peers that are still working and just come home and and you know just go about my day like everyone else 
I have a question for Tom, if you don't mind. Tom, uh, there are going to be people listening to this podcast who are wondering how a person gets into law school. So for so many high school students and even undergraduate students who are studying today in the faculty of business or the faculty of arts or any faculty for that matter, they're questioning, gee, how would I get myself into law school? How did, how did you go about it? Right. So I think, uh, every school is probably the same in that you have to have an undergrad or most of an undergrad completed. I think it's three years minimum. And then after that you write the LSAT and you have to get good enough marks and a good enough LSAT score that you'll be considered. And then a lot of schools, depending on how rigorous their uh, admissions process is, will also look to, you know, have you been volunteering? Are you involved in your community? Different things like that. They want to see probably a more well-rounded applicant. Are you able to describe for the listeners what the LSAT is? Sure. Because I'm sure some people have heard of that before, but um, what what exactly does that entail? So the LSAT is just a standardized test, and it's just to test your aptitudes and uh, your ability to basically go through. Some of the sections are on reading comprehension, so you just read a bunch of really dry stuff about fossils or something, and then you have to answer these questions just to show that you were able to look at the text and pull some answers out of it. So uh, there's a lot of different sections. There's one on like logic games, and uh, basically what you want to do is just practice writing the test over and over again kind of get that muscle, get your brain working in that way so that you can be able to sit down and finish it on time. And for your sake, did you also have um, strong marks in your undergraduate degree and your MBA? I did, yeah. Uh, pretty good marks. And yeah, as long as you've got that, I mean, I've heard of some people that didn't have as good of marks, but had better uh, LSAT score or had a really, you know, I think some schools will take people based on life experience or career or depending on what stream of the admission you go into, so. Right, and and I think that's a good point too that some people overlook is the fact that whether or not you have been in university recently um, or whether or not your marks were necessarily the greatest marks uh, when you did your undergraduate degree, uh, there are a few different factors that schools consider. and And so if this is a passion for you, if it's something that you really wanna pursue, then there are avenues you can take to try to achieve that goal. Definitely. I wonder, Tom, if you if you might describe for us something that Renette touched on, which is around the social aspect of school. And um, given Renna's reality, that's not something that she has as much time for. But I wonder if you might describe the social environment and the dynamic amongst the, um, the students at the university within the law school. Uh, within the different sections that start out in, in first year at UMB anyway, and your experience interacting and getting to know and work with those other students. Yeah, uh, so I did try to be fairly involved in the social side of things. So like you mentioned, it starts off with two different sections in first year. So there's a bit of a split right away. And it's kind of funny how at the very beginning of the year, you meet everybody at all the events. And then as the year goes on, it's like the other section almost doesn't exist. Ren and I didn't actually have a class together until... I don't even know if it was maybe third year running. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so no matter what, there's just so many people in the community and there's lots of events going on. So I did actually find it challenging almost to keep up with all of those social commitments. And 
yeah, I mean, people would be going out uh, for kind of gatherings almost on a weekly basis. There's a lot of different social events, like there's a, two concerts that happen uh, each school year. Uh, lots of different clubs and societies always fighting for funding and lots of turnover there. There's just tons going on. And for both of you, here's here's a question that I think crosses the mind of some people at least who are contemplating whether or not they want to pursue a career in law. Um, they know that law school is the first hurdle and they've seen some of those movies uh, about law school. They've heard the rumors that it's a real grind. Um, how would you respond to that? Is it is it as tough as it's portrayed or or not? Yeah, you'll see like in movies and TV all the time, like that it can just be the worst experience in the world. And I've heard all these stories about people like sopping up their tears with their textbook pages and just really working too hard in the study hall. I, I didn't find it was all that bad of a battlefield, I guess. Uh, it certainly is challenging. And I think the material is meant to push you and to cause you to think about things in a different way and kind of look at the world around us. But I, I don't know. I didn't find that it was this like horrific nightmare. Very good. Rena? I would echo that. Um, but I did find first year to be a bit of a nightmare, if I'm being honest. Um, but I, it wasn't really um, necessarily the subject matter. It was that I kind of felt like we were all walking around with blindfolds, um, trying to kind of familiarize ourselves with the way that things are taught, um, the way that exams are given. Um, you know, law school is, you know, it's famous for their fact patterns and just things that many students aren't really used to. So once you get a handle on those, those things, then it it's a lot easier and you and even by second semester you you really kind of start to understand what's expected of you and then you know how to meet those expectations but it's the first i would say the first semester of first year um i remember one of uh one of my favorite profs coming in david bell and i and i know many people know professor bell and he walked in it, it was like the beginning of november and he said it was november 1st he said welcome to the worst day of you know, of your life and your entire law school career. And it was because midterm marks had just come out. <laughs> and, you know, he said, like, that's when the reality kind of hits. And then then you write finals in December and then you come back in January and everyone lived to tell the tale and it's okay. But usually by the beginning of November, you know, it's a bunch of high achievers that have been funneled into this program. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, I'm just mediocre. <laughs> or average, right? But, you know, and, it, and it, it, it's kind of funny. I laugh about it now, but at the time it seemed, you know, it was pretty heavy, but again, then you just get over it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really thinking about that. First first semester, first year is a whole different ballgame. That was definitely more intense and scary. You've probably <laughs> walked it from your mind. <laughs> yeah, probably. It always felt like they had just kind of like thrown us in. And it, yep. to me, it seems like there's no other way that you could have gone about it. Like you have to kind of learn everything all at once. And it felt like every couple of weeks I'd look back and think, oh, this thing I learned in this class kind of makes sense over here and start to connect the dots and put it together. But you're right. It was just kind of a blindfold yourself and run into it as fast as you can. I remember being told that uh, the law school years could be described as first year was scare me, second year was work me, and third year was bore me. And I, I just remember thinking, I can't wait to be bored. 
um, <laughs> because the first year was a little bit uh, frightening. What was your experience, Mel? Well, I was I was reliving. I think I may have mild PTSD as a result of of that November experience that uh, Renna described. I I recall Professor Bell, who is a just a wonderful person, and I I can say that having you know looking back on this twenty some years later. But I remember him giving back our first paper that we wrote for him. And he's an exceptional writer. And he had written on the top of it. I mean, and there was more red ink on the page than there was black text. And he wrote on the top of the paper, Mr. Norton, you write as if you are painting by numbers. And I thought, that's not a compliment. That is... Uh, that's <laughs> Oh, but you're a very good paint by number artist, Mel. Yeah, that's right. Tom, you were going to say. I, I just thought of something quite funny uh, if we're talking about first semester, first year in uh, Professor Bell. I remember I'd been doing my reading notes. I would read the case. I'd write down what I thought about it and come into class. You know, I was usually off somewhat, but it was kind of like a way that I was getting myself into everything. And then there was one case in particular, Dickinson and Dodds, and I remember just being outraged. And I have, I still have my reading notes where I was writing like, this is just completely opposite of everything we've read. Like, this is wrong, 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 wrong. And we get to class and before he lets anybody say anything, and I'm probably paraphrasing the quote too much, but he said, the sands of time are littered with the bleached bones of first year law students taking issue with Dickinson and Dodds. <laughs> <laughs> I just- As only Professor Bellicott. Yeah, close the tab and I didn't put up my hand and argue with him on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, look, we're almost at the end of our time with you both, but we really appreciate you coming. I wonder, though, if you have any thoughts now that you're at the end of this chapter, uh, your law school chapter, and you're about to start the next phase, which will be your professional lives as first articling students and then lawyers. If you had to explain to the public today, people who perhaps don't even know a lawyer. What have you learned about the law and about the legal profession that makes you want to be part of it? What would you tell people about the legal profession and lawyers that makes you want to be part of that, of that occupation? Well, I would say that it's, from what I can tell, it's a profession that I will never get bored of which is kind of what attracted it to me in the first place is that I do like the idea of every day kind of getting a taste of a, you know, a different issue on a different file with a different person and that constant um, push to, um, you know, to refine your craft. And I think they call it the practice of law for a reason because it's constant, it's, it's, I don't know that you ever sit with it and know, you'll never know every answer to every question. And so I, I always find it interesting now, I think of it so much differently, but I would have just approached a lawyer before with any question about any topic and just assumed that they knew the answer and, and would have been surprised that they didn't. Um, but it really is something that you, you kind of, you find your your niche and then you just continue to to refine your skills and and constantly being challenged by it and i think that's that's the most interesting aspect of it for me personally that's a great point i think um, many lawyers would say the same thing that the moment you feel comfortable 
with the material is the day that you have to be really afraid. And because we're constantly trying to evolve and get better uh, to deepen our knowledge in the subject matter. Tom, what's, what's your thought? What would you tell people about the profession and lawyers? Um, what, what attracts you to this, to this occupation? Yeah, I think mine's actually quite similar. So I'd always heard the old joke, like, you know, if it doesn't matter what you ask a lawyer, the answer is going to be, well, it depends. And I just found over all the different courses and everything we've studied that like, it's, it's like that for a reason. It's not just, you know, they're trying to get you pay a, uh, pay a retainer before they'll answer the question. It's that it really is so uh, nuanced and so complicated. And uh, I don't know, maybe some people would say that's kind of a failing of the justice system, that it is so complicated and the, you know, the average person can't necessarily just understand everything right off the bat. But I think that's what I like about the profession is that it's as complicated as it is because you want to be able to have justice. And we have this profession that's just so interesting that, you know, I get to show up and learn new things every day and do everything I can to help you get the benefit that you can or figure out what your rights are. Well, those are good answers. And, and I think those are useful answers for, for people who a, have an interest in pursuing a career in the legal profession, and B, people who don't have a, an interest in that, because I think the work that lawyers uh, are doing is obviously crucial to freedom and crucial to maintaining a peaceful society. And so the fact that you two and all of your classmates at UMB Law and, and all the, all the soon-to-be lawyers across Canada who are finishing their studies um, in the next couple of weeks, getting ready for that next chapter, all of you deserve a round of applause because you really are, in my view, people who are strapping on the armor um, to, to go fight for justice. And that sounds like a cliche and that sounds, you know, a bit romantic, but it's not at all. It's, uh, you know, the fact that the fact that people are willing to get in the ring and fight um, sometimes at great personal expense, fight for what's right. That's what separates our society from what I would consider to be lesser societies. And Mel, you're a person who has done that for the entire time that I've known you. Um, you know, you've been in the ring and and you can remember what it's like to leave law school and to start on this next chapter that Tom and Rena and their classmates are starting on. It's, it's, it's impressive, isn't it, really? It is, and, and I think it's interesting the time at which we're doing this uh, recording and the folks that are going to listen to Rena and Tom and their, their experience, they're not going to see this record. We're doing this by Zoom because we're all, all quarantined effectively and, and socially isolated, separated. I and mean, Rena touched on this and, and so did Tom. There is so much gray in the law and we've seen even in the last couple of weeks as this pandemic has unfolded that people and organizations right across the spectrum from large business to charities to individuals have reached out because this is a these are complex difficult issues that people are dealing with in the midst of of um, this really global issue and and Rena and Tom are going into this profession that this is one of those 
moment in time that's that exemplifies what the legal profession is all about and and what it can provide answers to difficult questions most of which are 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 gray at best there's very little certainty in as we as we go through these processes and and um, and so uh, certainly a tip of the hat to well Ren and Tom particularly and and thank thanks to them for taking the time for this but to your point Kelly all students who are are finishing up their uh, their law degrees and we take for granted as a, a legal system in Canada many in the world don't have the the good fortune of having uh, a civil society based on the rule of law that uh, that we're fortunate enough to be part of uh, each and every day and and so i i do want to say again uh to rena and to tom and 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 to all the people who are on the verge and of of uh, entering the practice of law as i've encouraged you before read that theodore roosevelt uh, quote from his speech in Paris in 1910, when he when he talks about the person who's actually in the arena, the person who knows the great enthusiasms, the devotions, who spends themselves uh, in a worthy cause, and the person who knows the triumph of high achievement, but also knows that if they're going to fail, they're going to uh, do it while they're failing greatly. That in my mind, capture so much of what lawyers do, and um, and you're doing it for a great cause. So I wanted to thank Rena and Tom and everyone who's getting ready to finish law school. This is great advice, by the way, for all the young people who are in high school wondering if they want to be a lawyer. So thanks for sharing these thoughts with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks.